we continue on the celebration of 2024 finally arriving by looking at some of the crazy business deals on the sports world that really shook things up in 2023. It's Paul Shavari, it's Devin Tingle, I'm Mike Mercado, and throughout the entire show, we've been talking about the champions, the stories, what Chicago sports teams can do. It's been kind of the conversation over the last few weeks, right? Especially when we get to this time to really reflect on the year that was and kind of have an idea of what the year is going to be in the future. But before we go too far into the future, there has been foundation set for the future and a lot of it had to do with things going on off the field and I actually want to give some credit to our source for uh, this conversation just kind of give us a blueprint kind of a, a an idea of a lot of crazy stuff that happened in 2023 this is from awful announcing the 10 biggest sports business stories of 2023 and there are some that didn't even make this list that were huge stories on the sports cubicle itself they had their own segments. That's how crazy 2023 was. And I want to start off with one that just jumps up to the top of the page, and that's the PGA and Live Golf merging together and the impact that that was. Because I remember here on the Sports Cubicle how many conversations we had about these players that opted to make the big money out in Saudi Arabia's Live Golf and do their tournaments and what it meant for the Masters, what it meant for the Open, the U.S. Open, all these other uh big time majors and we finally found out that money won and the players that opted out got what they wanted and now they compete for the masters and all these other majors and that story kind of just shook the foundation paulie when you heard that story on earlier on this year of the pga and live golf merging together having this this kind of this new power man trip that they're going to go through to avoid any of the weirdness we were talking about over the year. What were your initial thoughts? You're talking about when live and PGA merged or when live or when live emerged as a no, competitor. Well, I mean, in 2023, they merged together. Yeah, they did. They did. But uh, was it 2022 when live first started or was yeah. that this year? No, okay. I, yeah. I, I guess I remember just kind of flashing back to 2022 that people didn't really take live or Saudi Arabia's money that serious. And, and I, I saw it from the football standpoint, the soccer community, that you saw Saudi Arabian dollars were, you know, or whatever their, their currency is, was, you know, dominating kind of the sports world. They wanted to, uh, you know, kind of invest in various markets in the sports world. They have serious amounts of money and money always talks. So I, I think the merger was good on PGA's part because there's no way they were going to be able to compete with that. I think there was an unlimited amount of money coming from Liv's side, whereas PGA is so um, in-house and, uh, you know, kind of like a monopoly. And, and I think because they never truly had a competitor, they never really had to um, kind of fight to market their sport in such a way where they couldn't, they could prevent it, you know, so it's like the NFL, like they could prevent a competitor from really truly trying to compete with them. But, but here you have all of a sudden live poaches, the best golfers, some of the best golfers. Now that ruins the PGA's ability to market. So they had to do it. It's a win for live at the same time, you know, golf is going to be golf. So, I mean, regardless of how many competing bodies that you want, it's always going to come down to the best of the best are going to compete somewhere. So yeah, it was good. I mean, it, it's, is it the right thing? I don't know, but it was eventually going to happen if if it uh, wasn't going to be a monopoly. This is the way that there was going to be a competitor to come in and try and take the sway that the PGA had.
Yeah, and I'm with you. And I don't think the PGA, any of that committee, earned any benefit to believe they were going to be able to navigate through any of this, that they were going to be able to have a easy hand working with the players themselves. And we knew that if the right deal came along, if the right enough pressure came along, that they were going to fold one way or the other. And they knew certain players not playing in Augusta was going to mean something. Not going to Europe for the Open was going to mean something. Not playing for the U.S. Open was going to mean something. And they folded. And when you hear that, Devin, whether or not it was a smart business decision, whether or not it's even – you can avoid it in, in 2023, now going to 2024, having money come from certain places, right? Like we know how complicated these geopolitical issues are, but – Quickly, Devin, what did you think about Live Golf and the PGA merging together earlier on in 2023? I thought the CPT is a perfect place to talk about this, Mercado, because from the business standard, it makes plenty of sense. As Paul said, money talks here. From an ethical sense, it's kind of like, you know, I believe you and I talked about Live Golf when it first came out in last year and how it's like, this is just downright, what the heck are you doing here? And of course, we all know how Saudi Arabia is. I mean, granted, they're not killing PGA golfers. Of course, they're going to poach their competition here. And I mean, it's one of those things where... I don't know if it would have necessarily been like a, if they didn't go poaching people before this merger happened. I mean, let's be real here. Golf was always on TV in the spring and in the summer. Every time you're in your dentist, your doctor's office, what was on that TV screen in the weekends? Golf. I never watched it. I always found it boring. A lot of people tend to do that too. So, I mean, from the ethical standard, I kind of hate the whole thing because I don't think we should, you know, be working with those companies. But then again, Mercado, we just spent $30 on a company that takes how much money from Saudi Arabia every year? No, it's a great point. And something that's not on the list and is a big moment is WWE being sold to Endeavor, UFC, WWE, now TKO, both these companies making this big company now and the impact of that. And and Paulie has taught about it before, the Fenway group, the groups over in, in the EPL, all these other entities being brought in sports wash essentially by Saudi Arabia. But uh, there's a lot of stuff we want to get into, but Paulie, any final thoughts before we move on? I mean, it was such a major story. It just the, the branches we go with Saudi Arabia, but any final thoughts about kind of the craziness, the, the year of Saudi Arabia really implementing themselves in a lot of different things that American sports watchers uh, enjoy and consume. Uh, they're not done yet. They're going to dictate the market for the immediate. We'll see what sort of major economic impact this has on sports going forward in the next 20 to 50 years and something that will have an impact in sports in the next five years, four years, Mm -hmm. three years. It was the sale of the Washington commanders. Now, before we get to that really fast for NFL watchers, there was also a seismic shift in the way you consume the product, whether it was the continuation of Amazon prime, but the big thing was NFL Sunday ticket moving to YouTube, kind of that new generation of viewer trying to drag in all these cable cutters and this new implement implementation that you're seeing from the NFL and then coinciding into we're seeing these teams worth so much money and Washington, what, $6 billion. And that's not to, and Washington's a, a legacy franchise, but we're not talking, we're still not talking about the green Bay Packers, the Chicago bears, the Dallas Cowboys, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Vegas Raiders. Like we're, st- we're still and they're right there, right? Then you you put the the commanders right there, especially if they had their old infamous name, that cachet that it would have had with the history. But, I mean, the sale of 
of Washington and these new stadiums being built here in Chicago, we know the evaluation of the Bears, how massive that's going to be once Arlington Heights goes down. Uh, I want to go to you, Paulie, because I know this is something – I know Devin is the one that that likes to wear the – and root on his commander, Sam Howe, shout out, who destroyed a lot of playoff <laughs> teams. But uh, I want to go with you, Paulie, because of somebody who – a fan of a legacy team as well, seeing them move locations – Build this new stadium, seeing how much they're worth. Your thoughts on the sale and this new from the from the Denver Broncos a season ago to now Washington, the craziness of NFL teams and it, 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 what they're worth now. This was well, it, I think that's that's about right when you consider how prices have kind of inflated and values of certain teams. I know it makes them, I think, the most valuable team, but that's only by the appraisal of the sale. I, you know, other otherwise, you could assume what the value of certain franchises are. So. Is Washington the most valuable franchise on earth? No, but uh, at, per sale, yes, right now they, they are the standard bearer. But this was a long overdue st- sale. They moved on from Daniel Snyder. That's a huge win for the NFL. That's a huge win for Washington. They need to upgrade that stadium or move to a different stadium uh, and, and figure some things out. They need to figure out if they're truly the commanders or if they're the Washington football team or if they're the Red Hawks or whatever they, they want to figure out they want to be. I don't know if commanders is the one that they're going to land on. At the same time, it does kind of sound like a classic football name if you really think about it. Um, you know, but that franchise needed the sale. It needs to to write the ship. It needs to figure out their brand. And yeah, it is a legacy franchise, even with the, the brand change. It's still such a, a unique division with the Cowboys and the Eagles and the Giants. And, and every year how there, there never seems to be a repeat champion. So um, it's, it's going to be exciting to see what they do going forward. And it's going to be exciting to see what the next team to make a sale would be. I, I don't know who's on the dock because, you know, you mentioned uh, the bears, it could, but I, I can't see it leaving the McCaskey or Hallis family anytime soon, unless it's like a shared partnership. And then of course the Packers, I don't know how you go about doing a sale with the Packers. You have to ask, I think what thousands of people <laughs> for permission to make the sale in order to even approve it on the green Bay end. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it's exciting, but I don't think the, the commanders are worth 6 billion uh, truly, but uh, congratulations to the NFL for losing Dan Daniel Snyder. Congratulations to all of NFL fans for losing all of Daniel us Snyder. and all you know what, all female employees, too, right? Like, uh, yeah. shout out, you know, that freaking monster, Everybody. Uh, Devin, yeah. Uh, Devin, you rooted the team that that monster owned. Uh, you want to talk about how you feel about them uh, being worth six billion now? Sure, but uh, I want to do classify Mike Mercado. In week 15, Jacoby Brissett is the one who destroyed everyone's playoff team. Let's get real here. <laughs> Fair enough. That's a crazy thing to say. And, I mean, it was just fun to say Washington football team. Definitely one of those great ones here. I mean, uh, D- Daniel Snyder is a uh, – how do I put this uh, for radio? POS? Is POS a good one? Is that Fair. safe? That's safe. A gigantic yeah. POS? Yes. And at the end of the day, I'm not so much where I, you know – I, I don't like when you're going to try and push an owner out like this, but, you know, the fact is, you know, Paul can attest, you know, his, some, uh, I won't mention names, but, you know, Daniel Snyder was in some emails with some uh, guy who may or may not been a part of the team that's on that uh, flag in the uh, Paul Lacious one. Technically, so, I don't think he was an employee of the team that uh, that was on this flag when uh, when those emails were sent. I apologize, but still. <laughs> he was employed by them, but I don't think he was an employee when those emails were sent. Yeah, TOS was in the NFL here. So, I mean, allegedly, a guy who literally screamed, I will never change the name from Redskins. And then a week later said, We're changing the name. 
Ben's like, we're going to, you know, he got, he was stupid with it. Someone trademarked all the names he wanted. And rather than pay whoever trademarked them, he said Washington football team. He couldn't even do WTF right, guys. He was messing with <laughs> Washington team football. <laughs> no, like, you know, the, the, you know, like a Liverpool. No, I take it back. Never yeah. like that. It would work. Yeah. It's, where it's nice. Just, you know, what's the word? It's like you love seeing, you know, people get just what they deserve here. I mean, yeah, of course, he's going to he's going to walk away with a big fat, you know, con, you know, big fat check. So in the end, does he really lose? No. And here's the thing. Well, you said six billion. I don't know about you guys, but I could gladly retire on six billion. I mean, our, our lovely GM might not be able to, but I can definitely live with that kind of money right there. Speaking of billions, we do have another deal that came by, and that is the Shohei Otani deal. And we don't have to spend a lot of time on that because obviously it's we've been talking about recent it. news. Go back yeah. a couple episodes. Yeah, we've been talking about it forever. Seven hundred million, and we'll. We'll be alive to see the first billion-dollar athlete. That'll be the only uh, piece I will put about the Shohei deal happening. And we are breaking down some of the major stories that happen in the sports world off the field that will impact on the field some of these crazy business deals. These are the top 10 sports business stories, according to Awful Announcing of 2023. And we move on to the death of the Pac-12. Again, we don't really cover college football here, but it is something that I think we all have to show some type of of and acknowledgement for that we like did see them happening this way. And gonna, the fact I'm that not... we've seen so many legacy programs change into different conferences, new rivalries coming. We don't have to spend a lot of time on it, Paulie, because I know we don't necessarily cover it and it's tough on Saturday nights, on Wednesdays, on Thursdays, all these other days. But the death of the Pac-12 is kind of sad because it just means that it, it is a whole new day. Different rivalries are happening, and we're going to have to get used to brand new schedules and USC playing Northwestern for the Big Ten East Division or whatever. Well, you got to realize I'm old enough to remember when what Big East football, Big East basketball, uh, Big Eight uh, before the Big 12, uh, Southwestern Conference. You know, the conferences don't even make sense anymore. Once Missouri joined the Southeastern Conference, that's when you knew – it didn't even matter anymore. And, and then, you know, Notre Dame kind of like their toe in the ACC water. And then, you know, everything, you know, with the, directly to the Pac-12 when USC and UCLA joined the Big Ten. And then I, I think I remember kind of joking at the time that, um, you know, Oregon would join the ACC. And isn't there a, a Pac-12 team joining the ACC, the Atlantic Coastal Conference? It, it doesn't make <laughs> sense anymore. And, and this is this further pushes my argument that I think, as far as college football, since the Power Five conferences don't matter, case in point, Florida State going undefeated in a Power Five conference, not even making it into the Final Four. Um, what's the point? I think they should go to a relegation uh, tier system in, in college football. You're guaranteed marquee matchups every week. Your champion will be determined. Uh, you could do a playoff if you want to truly determine it with the top four, you know. but I think you could even go without a playoff and determine your champion that way. Um, I know there's there's arguments why what I'm proposing is a stupid idea, and I get that, but um, college football is dumb, so it doesn't really matter. It's a fashion show that happens to have a football game breakout, so it doesn't really matter who the champion is. Um, Florida State got robbed. Georgia got robbed by losing that one game. Texas overachieved and doesn't deserve to be there. And, uh, yeah, I, I you know Jim Harbaugh shouldn't even be coaching, um, but that's, that's my college football rant. That's all I'm going to say about that until the champions are crowned. 
spicy ball putting college football to rest in 2023. Watch out, 2024. Devin, you heard him give him a Stone Cold stunner and an elbow drop, and he is ready for WrestleMania Paul versus NCAA college football. He Some great points from Paulie kind of wrapping up all the stuff, the craziness of college football and the ending of conferences and new realignment. But Devin, moving from the collegiate level to the pro level really fast, all-time record highs for the NFL. We're talking random games on Monday, random games on Thursday, random games on Saturday are destroying records that the NFL previously owned. Really fast before we move on to some of the other major things, is the train going to slow down anytime soon for the NFL? Well, it depends. What are the ratings? And if the ratings are doing good, absolutely not here. I mean, you're onto something there because a few weeks back, we had like the first Saturday game of the season. I'm like, what the hell? I'm like, I'm used to that only being during playoff time, which makes sense to me here. But again, like, you know, we should know what Thursday night football, that was kind of, you know, we, we thought it would stop there. And now, you know, we're getting mid-season Saturday games. And it's not like, you know, when, I mean, last year when Christmas fell on a Sunday, I understood having Christmas Eve games. But, you know, now we're to the point where it's like, I don't think we're going to slow down anytime soon. And, we're, you know, we're seeing so many players get injured now. And you think maybe someone in, you know, the NFL's higher office, you know, Roger Goodell, I like to keep the players of the NFL healthy and safe. Sure as hell and give a sha-la-la-la-la. I just love singing around the holidays. Sure doesn't get two dams about, you know, these players' fatigue levels, these players not getting injured. I mean, I would love to see, like, what the injury, like, rate is now compared to the past few years here. And we know every, you know, dumbass who's on uh, stations that are not WCPT and lean way more uh, not to the left. are going to blame it on the vaccines here. But, you know, I definitely see it as we're just working the players way too hard. You know, if you have a Thursday night football game and you got to play on Sunday, you're not getting nearly as much rest as some of the other guys here. Or if you have a Thursday night football and you have a Saturday game the next week, you're getting little to no rest about that here. Or if you have a Monday night football and then a Thursday night, you're kind of SL on a grand. I know the NFL tries not to do that too much, but you know, it does happen from time to time. You guys are bringing some fire when it comes to some of the things we have to keep an eye on that we saw in 2023, moving on to 2024. So there's two main stories I want to finish off this edition, kind of put a rest in 2023 as we look forward into 2024, what's going to be a prosperous year for everybody listening to the Sports Cubicle. For all you who have joined us, we appreciate you. It's Devin Tingle. It's Paul Shavari. I'm Mike Mercado. Of course, a shout out to Dan Marver. I'm going to throw this one to you, Paulie, as we kind of wrap things up over the last few ones. Leano Messi, El Goat, joins Major League Soccer, comes to America, and you talk about the hottest ticket in the world, right? And the biggest story for months and the will he, won't he, the impact. A crazy story that was. And it happened, you know, it seemed to be that that come and go thing. There, It was a, a hot topic. It was on fire. And then the season happened. There were some great moments. But the impact of Messi coming to the United States, your thoughts of, of that in 2023 for the soccer world? Uh, forgive my Spanish, but Miami S. Uh, El Rey. Uh, it's the <laughs> king of sports, right? It's... Uh, you know, I, it kind of reminds me of when LeBron went to Miami just for, for the Miami aspect of it, how big of a sports city that is. But um, that's huge for Major League Soccer. It, it gives them some legitimacy to get uh, Messi, arguably the greatest of all time, uh, arguably the greatest of right now, um, coming off of winning the World Cup, too, to kind of um, put a bow on his career. He doesn't need to do anything. He could retire. He could have gone to Saudi Arabia. He could have gone back to Barcelona, but he chose Miami. Um, it, it's about as big as when David Beckham played in, in the MLS and Beckham was the one that brought him 
to uh, to Miami, or at least was helped help uh, make that happen. Um, it's big, and and they won. Um, even though the team was in last place in MLS, they still won like a domestic cup uh, right off the bat. So uh, that or a continental cup, whatever it was, you know. So either way, it was it was big. Um, he's had an impact. It's you know, it's it's crazy how he's still talented at thirty seven years old or however old he is, uh, still kind of dominating, even though. MLS isn't one of the top leagues in the world. It's probably maybe like eighth to 10th, depending on the debate, um, you know, where you want to place it, but it's still a legit league professional players. It's neat to see him playing in the United States. And hopefully that'll encourage other European players to, to play over here uh, within and without their careers. I mean, I, I would hope to see MLS competing on the same level as La Liga, Premier League, Bundesliga. That's, that's a pipe dream. Um, but, but just to have it be um, United States soccer becoming more and more of a legitimate um, area for soccer, whether on the international stage or the domestic stage, it, it's huge. And Messi kind of helps legitimize that by playing for Miami. So the last thing I want to hit on, guys, as we kind of look at some of the big stories, right? And the Messi thing was really cool because it was something that happened on the field. And it was as pure as it could be, right? A team paid X amount of money, athlete came in, made an impact. What I want to talk about is something that's happening in the sports world off the field when it comes to your television, when it comes to the way you bet, the way you consume it. And that is the Bally Sports Bankruptcy and ESPN getting into betting proper. Now, we can spend a lot of time. We should spend a lot of time more in detail with this. But I'll give you my thesis, my very short thesis on this. When you see that over 40 teams between the major sports are now up in the air because they were part of a 19 regional packages that Bally had and just in a moment because of bankruptcy that they filed are gone. You don't know as a consumer how you're going to get your game. You don't know if it's going to go streaming, if it's going to go cable. And then you have ESPN changing away from news and magazine journalism to opinions, to hot take, a transformation that's been happening for years. Right now, sports fans are at a crossroads when it comes to how to consume and trust their medium, their media, and what they enjoy in sports. And how do you trust ESPN when they have money in the game? How do you trust where you're going to consume your favorite baseball team when you don't know if it's going to be there the next season? If you're going to be able to log into your computer to watch Cubs versus Rangers, White Sox versus Yankees, we don't know. Right now, in 2024, sports fans have to be as due diligent as they can be, as they ever have been, to make sure they are getting the best bang for their dollar and they aren't getting screwed over by these multi-billion dollar corporations. And I think it's a really interesting thing now that we have lost a lot of these shows like real-time sports. Like we lost a lot of these magazine shows with real journalists and Pat McAfee, Stephen A. Smith, all these other shows, the, the barstool sports are getting multi-million, hundreds of millions of dollars of deals. Where is the the safe haven for sports fans to know they are getting the best product. These are the questions I raise and I challenge, and I hope to be wrong that we don't have to talk about in 2024, but it's something that happened in 2023. With that, that was a lot of news. That was a lot of craziness that happened off the field. I'm going to give you guys each 30 seconds because the, the, the ball is going down. We're about to pop champagne. It is 2024, baby. Paulie, craziness in 2023. Final thoughts, my friend. Uh, just to piggyback on what you were saying, the regional sports packages, it's neat to see. I think the Minnesota Twins are going to go to, a, um, I think, a streaming. Um, you know, they're not going to do the blackout restrictions. So I, I'm hoping that 
um, because of the ever-changing media landscape and how sports has kind of dictated that in media. Um, I, I think media is pushing back on sports. I think we're going to have a more readily available streaming services for fans. I, and I think it won't be so limited to the blackout restrictions. I'm hoping that eventually I won't have to pay $1,000 to see the White Sox games, uh, 162 of them for the season. I think there's a cheaper option out there. Um, and we'll see what it is. I don't know. I'm going to subscribe to Major League Baseball regardless. My account renews every March. I'm looking forward to watching all of the other teams. I don't need to be a White Sox fan anymore. I can watch Shohei Otani every day with the L.A. Dodgers. So um, I'm looking forward to see how media changes in 2024 and going forward. Happy New Year, my brother. Devin, any Happy final thoughts? Yeah, thank you, Mr. Mercado. I mean, Paul raises a very valid point there, you know, that uh, streaming is kind of the way of the future. I mean, I did look it up while you guys were talking. DirecTV has 11.8 million subscribers currently. I couldn't see how many YouTube TV has because YouTube's like, well, it's users in their TV, all that BS and stuff. But, you know, it's just kind of a nice sort of thing here. And, I mean, I do agree with Paul Asia's one here. I mean, if you want to record the game, you're SOL. But you'll definitely be able to find a way to hopefully see your favorite teams here without these blackout restrictions here. And, you know, Paul, I hope you enjoy the Dodgers. I hope you enjoy your Christmas chocolate and all that stuff here. I'm kind of done with the White Sox, too, here. So, you know, if I cannot stream the White Sox in 2024, I won't be upset. But, you know, I'll be able to go to a bar to watch the game. And I also found this out, guys. You can, you know, those giveaways at the stadium, you can buy those on eBay. So I don't have to go to any games this year. I can just watch them at my own leisure because, quite frankly, they've done nothing to keep me as a fan. That's not the topic right now here. Let's just hope 2024 is easier to watch stuff than it is now. And a wonderful 2024. Happy New Year to you, Devin. And a loving thank you to each and every one of you. Happy New Year. A shout out to Dan Marver. Happy New Year to the big guy himself. Thank you so much. We love you. I love the boys. We will see you next time here on the Sports Cubicle. It's Dan Marver. He's Paul Shabari. He's Devin Tingle. I'm Mike Mercado.